Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is Bridget May Power, who released her fourth album, Dream from the Deep Well, earlier this summer. interviewed Bridget before on TPOE 80. If you don't remember, that's fine. It was all the way back in March 2018 around the release of her second album, The Two Worlds. In between then, there was Head Above the Water, which is the first question I'll ask Bridget about. Don't worry, I cover all of my bases. That record was released early in the pandemic in 2020. Uh, I love Bridget's voice, she really draws out words, so much so that you're hanging on each lyric as it feels everything she sings is imbued with some deep underlying meaning. Musically, I guess we could call it folk if you want, with twinges of Americana and country thrown in there too. It's music with feeling, as the press release says, filled with personal tales of offspring and grandparents the lovelorn and the lost. It's the essence of reimagined folk music from the traditional intro and outro that act as bookends. It's folk music, but not as we know it. In these ever confusing and often annoying times, Bridget brings us modern folk for modern folk. With her evocative vocal doubling back on itself with strings, steel guitar, horns and mellotron adding to its baroque loveliness. It's an album that's politically primed and socially aware. A broadside for us all, this is Bridget May Power's most complete album yet. Hopefully that gets you a little bit excited to hear what's coming up. We're going to talk through each track on the album. We'll hear snippets of the songs during the interview. And hopefully you'll come out the other end thinking that you've just got to listen to Dream from the Deep Well right now. It's one of the albums of the year, I think, and you can get it at Bridget May Power's Bandcamp page. Bridget has some tour dates coming up in September. In the UK, she's playing in Glasgow on September 21st. She's in Kendall on the 22nd, Leek on the 23rd, Hebden Bridge on the 24th, in London at the Moth Club on September 25th, and in Norwich at the Art Centre on September 26th. Closer to home in Ireland, she is going to be playing Whelan's in Dublin on October 5th, the chapel at Griffith College in Cork on October 6th, and Roisin Dove in Galway on October 22nd. This weekend, she's also going to be playing at another love story, one of my favourite festivals. It runs over August 18th to 20th. I think there's still some tickets remaining, and Bridget is going to be doing the Young Hearts Run Free Folk Club at the festival. So that's enough from me. We'll get into the chat. Here's Bridget May Power on The Point of Everything. We've talked before. We talked about five years ago around your second album, The Two Worlds. So you've released two albums since then and a lot of EPs as well. Maybe let's just talk quickly about your third album, which came out in summer 2020. I mean, how do you look back on that? Is it impossible to look back on that and not think of COVID and not think of the pandemic? Um, yes, because I recorded it all before. So yeah, when I do think of that album, I think of, I recorded it in 2019. So I think of the process really fondly. Like I, we just really just um, got some musicians into a studio in Glasgow and with Alistair Roberts and, um, we just played live on the spot for the most part. So I, I look at it back at it fondly, but yeah, I, it is kind of surreal that it was released during COVID and, and all of that. Yeah, but I don't necessarily associate the album with with, with COVID. But I think that's because it was recorded just a bit, you know, a year before. That's good. So you've got fond memories of, of it. Yeah, it was, a, it was strange that I couldn't really tour it immediately after or anything like that. But then I've never really been a conventional sort of like tour immediately after the out. Like I've had to have a different sort of um, schedule with all, with all of that stuff being a parent as well. So, 
Yeah, it didn't seem too out of the ordinary. Did you get to play it much like in, in the following year, in the interim years? Yeah, just actually the so it came out 2020. So then 2021, I did a few UK gigs and maybe no, I think my Irish gigs actually was 2022 that I finally got to play it. That was last year. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, a very delayed album release. And you also released a covers EP in 2021 as well, Burning Your Light. I'm imagining that this is just like one of those COVID projects that people did, is it? Or is it something yeah. <laughs> that you always wanted to do as well? No, it was a COVID project and it, it kind of came around because I, I had gotten so many requests that year to do covers or do different things, you know, for blogs or I don't know, like random online things. And then so at one point I was like I actually know a lot of covers now so I might as well just release them but it was fun to do because I I did it all myself at home with my very limited equipment and um, just nearly like just completely wrecked my head trying to figure out how to mix like, like you know I don't like doing that at all but I was proud of myself that I actually did it <laughs> but it took a huge amount of energy. We'll talk about the covers um, that are on the new album as as we kind of get to them through the track by track. But like on this covers EP, you're covering the big hitters. You're covering Dylan, Aretha Franklin, Patsy Cline. You're not shying away from them. No, I don't really like. I mean, in like for me, I do, I do have a really varied uh, music taste. Like and I do like a lot of obscure stuff. But generally, I always kind of, I kind of love the classics, you know. Sometimes I am the one that, like, you know, when people ask me what am I listening to, I'm listening to very obvious things a lot of the time, you know, like I, because they're just really good. So yeah, I just, I just, I don't know why it came came up to do those classic people. I think I just adore them, um, Bob Dylan and Aretha Franklin and Patsy Cline. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, but the Bob Dylan one came because I got asked by, I always mix them up, but it's either Mojo or Uncut. They were doing a Bob Dylan um, like anniversary thing and I had to donate a track to that. So that's why I, I did that. And then, um, yeah, the other ones, I'd just kind of been singing those songs for a long time. Um, it's probably not like, yeah, I shouldn't really... I, I was in my head being like, should I really cover Aretha Franklin as that like sort of sacrilege, you know? <laughs> do you think about it, like, how do I make this my own song? Or is it a case of staying true to the original? Is it, is it something that you actually think about? Or is it just, you know, you work through it and you see what you have at the end of it? Are you How actively are you thinking of the cover as you're working on it? I'm not really thinking that much at all. I I really just I usually just figure out what chords they are and what lyrics and um I just sort of see what comes out. Um I feel like quite lucky for this that um I don't really think that much. <laughs> like um or if I feel like I'm thinking it doesn't it like I know what that feels like to overthink with other things. Um, but I feel quite lucky that that doesn't infiltrate with me with music. So I just kind of do it rather than overthink or think at all, actually. Like, you know, yeah, so I don't I, and I just I just approach it very simply. And then if I like how it sounds or I don't, then I'll just sort of change it. But yeah, I didn't really think at all. Yeah. D does that kind of extend to like the album making process as well? Because it seems like there are themes that kind of tie dreams from the deep well all together is that something that again you're thinking of from the outset that you want this grand idea tying it all together or is it just you're working on the songs one by one and then suddenly you've got the collection yeah that's what it is I kind of liken it to like do you ever look back on a year or something or a time and like all these little things happened in that year that then you can kind of look and be like, oh, wow, I was dealing with a lot of this that year. It all sort of makes sense, like, after. 
that's kind of what it feels like to me. Like um, I'm not thinking about the grand scheme of what it's going to be like, but of course it all goes with each other because that's just where you were at. You know, that, that that's how it feels like that, that they are, the, they are thematically related because that was just what was going on for me that year. Like down by the Glenside, for example, is, some people have been like, why did you put that in? Um, but it's because it, that was my granny's favourite song and I sang it at her funeral and she passed away last year. So um, that's as far as it goes, really. <laughs> like, yeah, but but they they are, they're, yeah, I don't really, I kind of work backwards, you know. I just, I don't think of themes or concepts or ideas I've, uh, at all. And I, if... If I do, I start to feel a bit trapped, you know, so I don't I don't like to. Um, I like the theme to come afterwards. Mm. Some people like putting those parameters on on themselves, though, don't yeah. they? Or, or those kind of deadlines on themselves, too. Some people really work great like that. Like, you know, I've met loads of musicians that and artists that work like that. But for me, it was all like even when if I was doing art in school, I couldn't understand how you needed like all the prep sketches or like the ideas of what you're going to do it just never made sense to me because that's not how I I didn't I couldn't fake that you know I'm just going to do the thing and then afterwards look at it yeah <laughs> and so, so do you have like a starting point for this album or is it does it stretch back years some of these songs well uh, well the one of the covers stretches back years like um I must have been blind by Tim Buckley that was like the first thing I actually ever recorded myself doing. And I put it on MySpace in like <laughs> 2008. So, but then, you know, I don't know, that's very lost to the ether. Um, you say that now, but every, everything is probably still up online. Somewhere. Yeah, it's somewhere. I need, I need some sort of advanced hacker to try to find it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I have a history with that song and I, that just kind of came to mind. I just thought about it and I was like, oh, I'll try that. But the other songs, they actually were mostly written in the last two years. Um, yeah, so there, there's not much history with them. Um, the starting point, I guess, like, I, I had gotten my tenor guitar back from a friend. Um, and so I was just messing around on that. And I'd say, like, you know, maybe four or five of the songs are, are on that instrument. So that was kind of a starting point. But yeah, I like I kind of just, what happens seems to happen for me is that I'll have a year of just kind of playing little bits. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I have little bits of songs. And then, and then I'll just kind of push myself to, usually I'll book in a studio or something. And then I'll be like, okay, I've got to write these ones. Then it just sort of happens like that mm. like this is your fourth album as well so I guess that there's maybe a bit of self-confidence or self-knowing that comes with that too is there yeah like I think I think I've gotten to the point now that it's like I I know that I'm just coming from a different place with like and with it like as in I don't really care if it's good or bad if I like it <laughs> if it feels good to sing it and play it and then if people receive it well, that's a bonus. Um, but I, so I don't really, I don't really mind, you know, if it, if it's like I just, I, I, I think the the music I love is really simple and um, not not always really simple, but when you uh, dig into how it was done, it it it's really not like I, I just really believe in less is more uh, usually. Um, from what I'm doing so it never feels like it's this big scary thing to do I know who is sick I know who is sorry I know who I'll kiss but God knows who I'll marry Leather, 
let's go through dreams from the deep well track by track and we'll we'll talk about the various uh bits and pieces that go with it you start off with a cover i know who is sick by the clancy brother i think i mean is that the version that you heard originally the clancy brothers no and i haven't heard that version but i've heard but there's a version um by peg clancy power oh yeah Pe- peg clancy power and i mean she, i think she is a clancy or she's a married to a clancy i never remember um but so that my version is heavily influenced by her one her one's just her singing unaccompanied but it has that strange little melody um so yeah, that's kind of influenced by by. But I think she sings it. Someone told me the other day she sings a version that is different as well. But but for some reason the the, the main one, if you put it on whatever online thing you use, it'll come up. It's it's similar to my to the version I did. It's it's just really got an unusual. I just think the word the line I know who is sick is just really weird. <laughs> I know who is sick. I know who is sorry, I know who I'll kiss, ah, but God knows who I'll marry. Fal da dal da dee, or axfal I've a gown of silk, shoes of finest leather, combs all in my hair, and ring for every finger. Fal da dal da dee, or axfal Feather beds are soft, painted rooms are bonny. I would give them all to go with my love, Johnny. Fal da dal da dee, or axfal I think I heard like two different versions uh, this morning just while I was like, let's see if I can uh, find this track. Um, and, and there, you know, one is kind of very diddly eye kind of music. And then it was the Clancy Brothers song. And then yours sounds like, I don't know, so much um, like of a different era almost. Is is that kind of what you wanted? Were you, like, it sounds like something from the 50s or 60s rather than something that was made in 2022 or something. I think that's probably because I recorded it on my four track cassette. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So like that, that instantly just made it really old and spooky sounding. Um, yeah. It, like I did that in like 15 minutes. To, basically I had the album and I just felt like it wasn't, it was missing something. And so I'd been singing that song in the car and I was just like, you know, I'll just give that a go. And I plugged in my Mellotron and just recorded that like directly into the cassette recorder. And that just sounded so weird. So I was, it already just had a weird little vibe. Um, and yeah, it's just the really lo-fi of the cassette kind of makes it just sound really old, I think. Was it just that line, I know who is sick, that you thought this is what I want to start the album off with in a way? No, I didn't. I didn't. When I recorded it, I didn't know I was going to start it off with it. But um, it was more like once it had recorded, we were like, this is good to start it off with because it even has the little timing at the start. Because I was trying to line up the tracks on the cassette, I had to start off with it like boop, 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 <laughs> my just pressing the keys. So we just, I just thought like, oh, that's a funny way to start the album. So that was why I wasn't really thinking I know who was sick. Um, but I still don't really understand that line. It's just odd. Um, yeah, I should look more into that song. <laughs> I, I, I love that, that, you know, like you think the album so much hours and work goes into it and then it comes down to I just thought it was a funny way to start the album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Out to be 
The second track is Counting Down. It seems like a song that's about being a mother, kind of maybe one of the themes of the album and the various fears that come with it. Am, am I right in thinking along those lines? Yes, like it's a very, very simple, obvious song. It's, it's a bit about being a, a mother, like just, but also just the kind of, like just the with touring and, and everything and um, like, I think I was just feeling, you know, um, confused about the lifestyle of music and just having your friends all scattered over the globe and looking for kind of a home, feeling settled somewhere. But it's kind of hard to do when you travel for your for your work. But yeah, also just that it's really hard to leave a kid but it's also hard to bring them with when once they're in a school system <laughs> yeah it's just i'm <coughs> sorry um yeah it's kind of it's kind of about it's a it's a very simple song it's just kind of like it just kind of came out a bit of a splurge of how i was feeling at the time because it is it's just really i mean whether i be a mother or not actually probably it's just it's just hard to kind of fit the music life into um, a norm like you know all the other stuff you have to do um i guess you hear writers talking about that more than musicians for you know whatever reason but like the likes of Anne enright always says you know she she would have thought that the writer's life was you know you're you're sitting in your office and you're working but then once she became a mother it's just you take any moments you can to write to creative yeah. so it's like the family are all around you you're watching a movie and she's kind of got the book on her lap just kind of working away on it so is that <laughs> kind of how you find how you find it as well that it kind of uh demystifies the music yeah. making for you um it's been so long now you know because I had my son when I was young I was 23 um so I can't really remember actually what it was like to write before him um yeah but it's all you know even from when he was a tiny baby it was like he'd I remember him falling asleep in the buggy and I'd sit down with my notebook in a cafe in town and just scribble a bit and write and then you know two old ladies would be chatting really really loud and I'd be like shut up you're gonna wake him and then he'd wake and I'd be like oh you know and I'd be trying to like I, I was just writing on the go often just you know and it's still like that for me I just write when I can you know I, I can't really but I think I'd be like that regardless if I had a kid or not you know because if I have planned time to write I can guarantee you that I'm going to do something else in that time just out of not liking the plan <laughs> you know like as in you might, we all with well, with all good intentions, be like, I'm going to write this day from this time to this time. But I start avoiding that, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah. You've got a line in Counting Down. I'm considering a new career, but all I can do is play music by <laughs> ear, which seems like a kind of that very Irish thing of like, it's quite a funny line, but I'm guessing that there's also real like pathos and uh, <laughs> real stuff behind it as well, is it? I'm glad you got the humor in that because recently I read somewhere someone saying that I was um, like selling myself short and I was like, no, I was just kind of joke. I, I was just joking, like, but it is a half truth. It is sort of yeah. all like, you know, it's what I can do the best, but um it's not, you know, like I can offer like very low standard customer service in a shop or something, but, you know, I'm not doing that well. Like what I do well is not um, necessarily uh, a good earning <laughs> um, 
career or whatever um so yeah so it does just feel like I always get to this point where I'm like well that's the best you know it's the best I can do at the moment I'll keep going on with this kind of thing maybe it's just lightning it sounds like there's quite a big story behind this do you want to talk about that yeah um I semi like I just kind of wrote that in a bit of a um it's like it's semi-autobiographical and just sort of inspired by different women I'd met um, and just sort of thinking about all the different um, things that women go through, uh, not just mothers, but, you know, a lot of mothers, um, like there's so many mother mothers and women out there who have been just left kind of, just doing a lot of invisible work, you know, just a lot of um, stuff that isn't valued by um, our world. Um, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of energy. And like, we are all dependent on all this, this work that women do. And yeah, I just felt like, like, well, I guess it was inspired just thinking of my own life and then other single mothers life lives that I, you know, I've met over the years, but also I had this um, woman from Ukraine and her daughter <clears throat> come to stay with me last year. I just was in awe of the mother. Like she, she was still helping me and like helping me out. And um, though, like, you know, she'd just gone through such trauma. And um, then on top of that, you're, you're helping like a child or a teenager with the trauma from war but like you yourself as well like her herself was you know it was just such it's such a lot to carry so yeah I was just sort of thinking and, and writing about about women who aren't recognized you know but go through a lot fair play for taking in some people from Ukraine did like what what was that like was it just something that you felt you had to do no to be honest I I was it was basically a friend of a friend because I, I I had thought about it because at the time I was living in this this big house in the country that was um just like a random thing that I we were renting um so someone was like oh you have space but I was like yeah but it's you know I'm just renting from a landlord and I don't know you know but it, we just came through a friend of a friend said like, oh, they're arriving in a few weeks. They're desperate for somewhere. Can you take them in? And I was just like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, so, and it was, and it was great. And I'm still really great. They're in Dublin now, but I'm great friends with them. And um, yeah, they're, they're wonderful. That's great. Yeah. I must have been blind. You mentioned this earlier. It's a cover of a Tim Buckley song. Is is this just like, you know, Dylan and Aretha and stuff? You're just a big fan and you're just like, let's see what I can do with this one. Here I am believing words again. Here I am trying to find your love again. Here I am down all my knees again praying for a love that we used to know both of us know how hard it is to love and let it go both of us know how hard yeah I, yeah definitely I love Tim Buckley I probably covered him too much at this point um but yeah I just I just really I always say this but he's sort of like um I love the way he sings and like the way there's something really resonant about how he sings for me which is like it's almost like he's singing the melody and the words kind of like I always imagine it like the melody is this big moving line and then the words are kind of going around the melody whereas some people sing the word like it's very focused on the words 
and they'll put the words in tune, but he's got the tune and it's like, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I just love his way of singing. And um, so, yeah, I'm just a huge Tim Buckley fan. Although there's albums that I wouldn't get through, you know, I wouldn't listen to the whole album or I would say that I'm not like a huge fan of like his, of the albums, like, but it's like the live performances and the singing, I just think is so beautiful. So, so yeah, that's why I, I just kind of had liked singing that song anyway. So if he's like almost an influence without even thinking of it, he's just this huge overarching influence on you. Like, do you have specific influences on this album or because it's your fourth album, is that something that you even think about anymore, the idea of influences? I always feel like it's the most important and obvious on the first album, really. Yeah, I think they're always there, you know? I think they're always there in your subconscious or... Yeah, so I'd say all of my musical influences are, are kind of influencing me all the time, like, and inspiring me and... Um, but I wasn't really listening to a lot of Tim Buckley, like, before or anything. Yeah, I don't really, like, to be honest, I don't actually listen to that much music. Like, I do listen to music, but I don't... Um, I, I like to have a lot of empty space so that I can make music. Whereas I, I, I'd say I had a really intense listening phase in my life from the age of, like, 14 till... 23 where I just obsessively like obsessively listen to music and then I just sort of stopped <laughs> I do listen to things time to time but I don't like I'm I'm not like buying hundreds of CD like I used to have thousands you know so yeah that, but I feel like they're all in there and they come out at random times anyway but yeah I don't think of it like that when I make an album I didn't think like that with my first one either I just I think what my influences inspire me most to do is to like how they're themselves they inspire me to be try to be myself if you get me the Waterford song I guess it seems like it's a, another side of family it's kind of about your grandfather and where he's from is it yeah my, well my dad's from Waterford so yeah my, one half of my family the power <laughs> everyone in Waterford's power um they're from Waterford and uh, it's it's so true though like it's it's the most common name yeah I spent a lot of time down there last year and then I was at um all together now festival and um just before it's such a beautiful place and there's all these trees and my auntie I didn't realize but my auntie was saying that my granddad actually planted all those trees that overlook that estate and he you know he was um he worked for the forestry in Waterford and planted like most of those trees so um I just thought that was really cool I never met him or anything um but yeah I just it's it's more kind of like a, a bit of an ode to the the like rural Waterford where my family are from yeah I just think it's beautiful down there Ashling is kind of the centerpiece of the album i I'm presuming that's kind of intentional as well. It's about Ashling Murphy, the young teacher from Tullamore who was killed while out for a run last year. Tell me maybe about the idea for a song, how how it came to you. Was it almost like an instant reaction to that awful incident or was it something that you just couldn't shake thinking about it and you, you needed to almost like get it off your chest? How it came about is that I had that guitar melody and I had the singing, the the, the melody of the song all written. Um, I just didn't have the words. But I was in London for the week because my granny was passing away sort of thing. There was a vigil for Ashling Murphy in Camden while I was over there. So I went to that. I wasn't really expecting, but it was it was like so, there were so many people so many Irish immigrants and then also not Irish people as well like just all there and it was but it was it was just so moving and yeah so it's literally just written about the experience of, of being at that 
I just came back and I wrote it and I was just so upset and I was just so moved and I my my granny died at that exact time while I was there as well and I just the whole thing just I was just thinking about I mean because you just saw women from all walks of life out there like crying and it was just such a moving experience and um yeah I didn't you know it's it's a sensitive thing to write about something like that so I didn't want to like over you know I just wanted to sort of I I figured out the best that the best way to approach it is just to just to write about like my, my first-hand experience at the vigil you know I didn't want to sort of just it's a sensitive like thing to write about yeah I just wanted to express like how I felt paying my respects you know but I didn't want to sort of focus on the the, the awful event or you know out of respect um,
Have you played it live in front of crowds and stuff? Is is it a hard one to play live? Um, I've played it like two or three times. Yeah, uh, I played it last year before the album was released, and I was kind of nervous about playing it, and I hadn't expected to. But I I got huge, huge applause. I I felt nervous to do it, but I got a huge, huge um, feedback from it. And then, yeah, so I, I'm sensitive to it. Like I will, I, I've played it like once or twice, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm, co- I'm conscious of the environment I'm in and like it's a sensitive song, yeah. Mm, yeah. I'll Wait Outside For You is a really lovely Americana type song. Uh, do you want to talk about maybe the other musicians who are on the album? Um, I'm presuming that there's a good few involved in it. Yeah, so... I'll wait outside for you, especially that has a great pedal steel player called um, Hamilton Belk. David Allred is on trumpet, I think, in that one. Or just in general, anyway. The musicians who contributed to the whole album are uh, Peter Broderick plays like violin um, and m- helped mix the record. Um, he does drums as well, bass. Um, a bit of synth, a good few things. David Allred plays trumpet. Hamilton Belk plays the pedal steel. Um, an old friend called Daniel O'Sullivan, he kind of added this, he's done a little tiny bit of piano on maybe it's just lightning and like some psychedelic sounds throughout. Um, and um, Connor O'Brien does some flugelhorn. Uh, <laughs> I think that's everyone. I hope I'm not missing someone out. But on, I'll wait outside for you. Yeah. It's, so we just recorded the live tracks, like me and Peter in the studio in Glasgow. And then we added like things afterwards. So we sent we sent that track to Hamilton over in America. Um, it just came about really easy. We just kind of kept the, the setup simple. But yeah, it was great to work like that. But that song is... It's funny. It's just like I kind of curse the day I wrote it because it's just a bit too long and I never remember the the verses. <laughs> and so I'm in rehearsals now and I'm just like, we haven't been able to get through it once without me <laughs> uh, messing it up. Um, oh, the, the perils of a long song. So I never thought about that, that you can just yeah. kind of like forget some parts of it or how it goes. <laughs> yeah, or just mix up the verses. Yeah, I, I think I just literally have to write write them out for that one. <laughs> have them nearby <laughs> uh, the next track is the title track dreams from the deep well where where did that title come from does it mean something to you yeah i think i was trying to so i guess i had the song first and then i named the album after that song um i think i was trying to it's funny because when i wrote that and now I'm just realizing it's it's kind of about someone specific, but I didn't realize that really when I wrote it. Um, but it was more like a reaction to just like the superficiality that has kind of become the norm um, with a lot of things. Like, like in in ways, it's, and I wrote, kind of remember seeing that shift, like in the two thousands, where it just kind of became a bit more normalized to rather than doing the thing be seen doing the thing um was enough and now like you know instagram or or whatever like politics everything is like sometimes people are aiming just to look like they're you know peace and love or whatever insert anything rather than being it and living it and it's a reminder to myself as well to to go deeper, like to dream and think about things deeper rather than just a, a very like a sort of selfish uh, way of of living and and life. 
and like me, 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 you know, that's what <laughs> a lot of stuff I see is very like that. I don't know your story. I love the second half of this song kind of as the music stops and nature and the sounds of birds come in and then the piano kind of starts up again. Was this a fun one to write or, yeah. or was the creation of it quite enjoyable? Yeah, it was because I have never really done something like that before from my own idea. I recorded just these birds when I was in Malaga getting uh, some uh, dental work done because <laughs> oh. it's a lot cheaper there um, <laughs> so there were just these insane birds so I just stood and recorded them for a bit and I always had in my mind that I would maybe add it so those were two piano parts but I wasn't sure how to bridge them together so I just kind of put the birds in the middle again that, that that's a song it's about something and someone very specific but I, I I won't really say it out of respect, but I was kind of thinking of someone who had taken their life and um, yeah, so I kind of saw that, that the end of it was sort of like, you know, the, the peace that you hope someone's at, hmm. at least over their struggle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, some life you've known then seems like another kind of family focus song do you want to talk about this it kind of starts is it accordion or mellotron that oh it yeah on? my accordion yeah um yeah i again i won't i won't go into specifics just because of it's about you know someone quite specific and like i'll get killed <laughs> if i if i talk too much but i it's just about someone I love dearly and I just had had a dream and then I just kind of wrote a bit the dream down and, and yeah just just feeling kind of grateful for certain family members and like just feeling inspired by them and um, yeah just caring about people. How do, how do your songs start? Do they all start on the same instrument like on the Waterford song you've got that two guitar chord sort of thing that kind of keep playing before your voice comes in on this it's the accordion and you've got another couple of songs like that as well is is the instrument key to how a song starts how how you write or could it could it be on anything and you just kind of play around with it until you find the right instrument for a song yeah that's interesting it usually stays on the one instrument so with that one, for example, that was started on the tenor guitar. The accordion came after. Um, so, and the Waterford song. Yeah, they, I usually like, I've never switched instruments for a song. If, I, if I'm writing a song on a guitar, or in those cases, the tenor guitar, it usually stays on that. The only time I've switched a song was, was Alistair Roberts' idea for my last album with Wearing Red that Eve, like that was originally a guitar song and he was like, why don't we do this on piano? And it was a great idea, but I've not, I've not done that, but I probably should do it more. Usually it sticks with the guitar and then I'll add, you know, the accordion for that. I just added that after that kind of, I could hear it afterwards. Tell me about this tenor guitar. It seems like it's quite important for, for this whole record as a whole, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, um, it's like, I think it's from 1947, um, got it in Portland, Oregon years ago, but um, it never really was playable. And then my friend Aaron Coyne, um, he releases music as Yawning Chasm. Um, he 
he's amazing at fixing up instruments and he he just fixed it up for me and then added like an extra string so it's like it has an octave string for one of the strings and it's just got this real twangy sound um and yeah it's great I mean it means now that I'll have to bring around two guitars with me for the gigs <laughs> but yeah it, I really just yeah I just love it but yeah a lot of the songs are written on, on that guitar finally down by the Glenside which you kind of talked about earlier it's uh your granny's favorite song it's an Irish Republican song from the yeah. 1920s but you, you don't uh dwell on the politics sort of thing I mean <laughs> it's a hundred years ago like it's funny because it's came up more maybe in the English interviews or like they've been like why are you do doing that and God, like it's a hundred years ago. I'm not saying it. Like, like I, I think it's just the people see the word Republican now, and it almost has certain connotations or something. You know, particularly after the furore over the Irish women's team last year, and they're singing of you know a Republican song. Yeah. So, so my my granny, who that's about. So it's funny because people are saying, like, I haven't heard any other version. Uh, maybe I will just put it on and <laughs> listen for once, but I only know her version. And then I've heard Neve Berry sing it. Other than that, I just know it from family. And my granny is from Sligo, but her dad is from Ballina, and she emigrated to London when she was 16. Um, <clears throat> and her father, my my great-grandfather from Ballina, he he was in the old IRA and he was banned from working. Oh, I don't remember the details, but like when, you know, when became the free state or whatever, he wasn't allowed work in Ireland. So then he had to work in England and she, so they, she went there when she was 16. Um, and so he was, you know, he was in jail in Galway and in Mountjoy um, for being a messenger when he was like 14. And, but she she really covered, like she, you know, when she moved to England then, like, you know, uh, she had to kind of, she didn't want any association with that kind of thing. Um, but when I was visiting her, she, but she would always sing that song and we would have sing songs and stuff. But when I was visiting her in the home, she had really bad Alzheimer's and she's in her 90s. But she was singing that that song at the wow. top of her voice in a very English nursing home. And then she was singing all these other old rebel songs that we did, nobody even recognized them. I mean, I, I, I don't really believe in patriotism anyway. Like, you know, I just whatever. <laughs> I guess that shows the power of music doesn't it like if she has yeah. Alzheimer's but like those songs still shine through that's great yeah I mean it's a different time like her parents you know they would have horror stories from the black and tans and stuff so they, they're coming from that perspective you know it's nothing to do with now uh I don't know it's just a historical moment um I just really like the songs. So. <laughs> hmm. That's the most important thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the full album. You're heading out in to on tour in September and October. You're in uh, practice at the moment, learning all of the verses. Um, yeah. <laughs> are you excited to, to get back touring? Yeah, I can't wait. I really can't wait. I mean, I know it's going to be okay once we're on the road. It's just yeah it's just a lot to organize um and it's a lot to everyone's really busy this summer so it could be a bit of a case of learning the songs on the road <laughs> but um yeah i'm really excited great and looking back on the album as a whole you happy proud of like writing it finishing it getting it all down yeah do you know what i am actually 
usually I don't even let myself enjoy something. I just keep moving on then. But this one, I'm like, yeah, do you know, it's a lot of songs. It's a long one as well. And um, I'm just happy of how it all came together. Great. Thanks a million for the chats. Thanks for chatting through the album. And as always, great talking to you. Congratulations on the album. Yeah, thanks a million. Thank you so much. Oh, oh.